Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. This episode of Creative Control with Vish Khanna was recorded before a live studio audience in Toronto on Saturday, April 9th, 2016. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Welcome to Creative Control. What a what a night we have in store for you. We're live at the Drake Underground in Toronto, and uh, this is a special presentation with the uh, folks at Massey Hall. How about a hand for the folks at Massey Hall? Wow, wow. My name is Vish. I'm your host. In case you don't know, and I want to tell you right away about our guest tonight. Pia Chattopadhyay is a respected broadcaster and journalist currently based in Toronto. She's appeared as a guest host on TVO's The Agenda and has contributed to the BBC, PRI, and she once served as the Middle East correspondent for Fox News Radio. I, I was stunned to read that today. She's likely best known as a dynamic voice on CBC Radio, where she has guest hosted shows like The Current, The World at Six, Q, and Metro Morning. I have some very exciting uh, news for all of you here tonight. She is set to host her own show, her own brand new show. Now, it's going to be broadcast on CBC Radio. It's called Out in the Open. It should be out uh, maybe in the next couple months. They're going to debut the thing. Please say hello to Pia Chattopadhyay over here. How are you, Pita? Pia? Nervous. You're nervous? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I said hate being I on called the side you Pita. I That's actually okay. called you Peta. We could do a whole show about all the mispronunciations of my name. Me too. Okay. Me too. People call me Vish. Hate it. Uh-huh. Hate it when they I call me I got called uh, Peta Chicken Pot Pie once on air. Someone called you Peta Chicken, Chicken Pot, Pot Pie. pie. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was around lunchtime. Oh. That makes sense. It's good. Yeah. You're delicious. It's great to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Nathan Lohr holds a master's degree in history from the University of Waterloo, in case anyone's hiring. Uh, and he's worked with the Canadian Civil Liberties Association to develop the Canadian Artists for Civil Liberties. He's also a well-respected multi-instrumentalist and has contributed to key records and live shows by Feist, Jim Guthrie, Royal City, The Constantines, Fembots, Sea Snakes, Bryweb, and many, many more. He has created an excellent body of music on his own, most notably in his politically outspoken and Afrobeat-inspired band, The Minotaurs, who celebrate the release of their brand new album, Weird Waves, here tonight, right after this thing. They're going to play. It's going to be great. And uh, right now, I'd ask you all to please make some noise for Nathan Lore. 
Wow, there's a chicken in the audience apparently. Cheering for Yeah, chickens love our band for some reason. <laughs> How are you, Nathan? I'm just fine, thank you. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. Yeah. Little, feeling yeah. all right? Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have you here. Mm, Pia said she was nervous. How are you? You know, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Nathan and I both live in Guelph, Ontario. Yeah. Wonderful city, right? It's nice. It Why? works. It works. Yeah. Why? Why do Why? we live there? Yeah. Circumstance, mostly. That's a ringing endorsement for the city of Guelph. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be there if I didn't have to be. It's a lovely town. It's I'm happy. I'm happy to be there. For uh, people like us who are arts-oriented vagabonds, it's great. You mm-hmm. can do. Uh, you can raise a family. Our uh, our kids were playing today. As a matter of fact, Nathan. I heard there was a pizza party at your house. I didn't think there was any pizza. Where did the pizza come from? Who told you that? <laughs> Somewhere that makes pizza. Yeah. No, there was no pizza party. My son actually fled from your daughter. He said, "I don't want to play with Hazel anymore." And he ran upstairs, <laughs> and I uh, had to talk him down. But, uh, well, your son's obviously a jerk. Yes. <laughs> Chip off the old block. Now, I thought we would spend our time together talking about uh, information because I think both of you work in realms where you uh, process, mediate, and redistribute information in some ways. And I, I want to start with Pia. Pia, how would you define your responsibilities as a journalist, as a broadcaster, when it comes to keeping the general public informed? You're a terrible interviewer. You're supposed to start with an easy question. I'm a that's terrible a, interviewer. Well, <laughs> that is a horrible... This is going well. I'm just, that's a big question. I'm kidding. Um, how Are do you I, kidding, how much, though? Sometimes, that's a big question. Yeah, okay. it is a big question. How do I take my responsibilities? How, how important are they? Okay, completely would be the short answer to yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, I work for public broadcasters uh, yeah. and uh, by mandate, and I, I hope uh, in what we do that... The mandates are to uh, inform, entertain, enlighten. Uh, For me personally, I would add to that, like informing is the basic that we could do and we should do as journalists. Uh, Beyond that, I would say enrich and challenge, get people to think. So I take that, I mean, that's a pretty big burden to shoulder every day when you go to work. Right. Not saying I'm saving lives. I'm just saying I take that responsibility really seriously. You also uh, make a habit of insulting interviewers. I do. I'm, ri- I'm nervous. Right this is out what of the I gate, do when I'm nervous. You lash yeah. out. Yeah. I la- <laughs> you lashed out at me by yeah. saying, I was, in fact, a terrible interviewer. No, I, I didn't mean Two that. What I was saying the is that that's a hard question, and I, I don't want to answer it, okay. so instead I'll cut you down. So you lashed out at me. Yeah. Nathan, you've been interviewed by me. Yeah, yeah, it's a cakewalk. Yeah, yeah. I was going hard today. I'm happy. Let's keep going hard. Let's okay, keep going Okay, sorry. Now, Nathan, uh, in both your music and lately on social media... Uh, you you have been rather pointed with your analysis of of how well informed people are. This sticks in your craw that people don't seem to be getting the information uh, that they should or aren't dealing with it the way they should. Why have you taken this on as part of your creative life? Hmm, that's can we start with the easy question? <laughs> What'd you have for breakfast today, Nathan? That is not as easy a question as you would think. Um, <laughs> I think I think to answer that question, I think it's a matter of uh, language. What what really bugs me, like about the news that I read and the information that I hear, is not so much what I'm being told as sort of how. Because the thing about a fact is, it is not a benign thing, right? You you for every fact you use, you don't use a bunch of other facts. So when you're putting a a news story together or an essay, or whatever sort of argument you're creating, you assemble the facts that are going to present your strongest argument. You know, So it's not like this, th- a fact isn't like this thing that you can trust and it's going to be that way forever, because the context around it could shift, and it'll, it'll color how that fact is perceived. And so for me, like when I'm, when I'm looking at the news, is you can, I can always find it to see, like, for me being someone Marxist, for lack of a better term, I always see like this neoliberal. Just a moment. There bias. was a cheer for Karl Marx yes. in the audience. Woo. Karl Marx will not be making an appearance here today. <laughs> just to be clear. Anyway. Yeah, just the idea of like this sort of neoliberal capital, capitalist sort of bias in almost everything we digest, because that's the kind of world we live in. We have been hearing a lot uh, lately uh, from people. Pia, I'm going to direct this to you, even though you hate my questions. <laughs> We've been hearing a lot about bias, about uh, particularly from alternative media news outlets. They feel like mainstream media either ignore or distort facts 
uh, in the reporting, and it's often for what people perceive to be some nefarious benefit. We've been seeing this a lot uh, in the coverage of the U.S. election. Uh, one of the, the key things that we keep hearing is that the coverage that Bernie Sanders has been given as a candidate is staggeringly low compared with that of Donald Trump. And the rationale behind the people who are pointing this, like the, the people are pointing this out because they feel like uh, Sanders is in direct opposition to the corporations that own the network, so it's not in their best interest to, to talk about him. What do you make of that as someone who basically represents mainstream media? Do you think there's something to that line of thought? Is it conspiratorial? How do you feel about that? Um, well, I first of all, I take great, I have a real problem with this term mainstream media because I don't really know what it means. And I think it's sort of like saying I blame the system, which really isn't a useful sort of thing. Okay. Um, so I don't know who we're talking about. And I, it, it, like, be specific what you're, not you, but when people say it's yeah. mainstream media, I'm not really sure what they're talking about. And there seems to be this mainstream media is terrible and alternative, which I don't know what that means either, because sure. that's a huge umbrella. Everything that isn't mainstream, I guess, fits under there. So, I, but I will carry on. Um, listen, I think the second thing is, um, I don't work in the U.S. context anymore. I did. I was a uh, correspondent for Fox News Radio in Jerusalem for three years. Uh, I think Canada is very different uh, from the United States. Um, but you asked a question about bias, and um, we're humans. I don't like this idea that there is no bias. We're humans. That, that humans live in a biased world. We, we as individuals are biased. So I think, I think the expectation of the media, especially in 2016, to be quote unquote unbiased, which I don't really understand again what people mean by that objectivity are things that I don't think we live in a, in a full human experience. And so, um, biased, are we not giving him enough airtime? Probably not. I don't know. But the reality is in that race, uh, by the way, Bernie, I think, just won the Wyoming caucus tonight. Um, Congratulations to Bernie Sanders. Feel the burn. Feel, feel the, the burn. burn. I, I mean, I, yes, absolutely. Does, does Trump and the Republican race get way more airtime, take up way more oxygen? Absolutely. Are there really invalid reasons for that? Absolutely. To your point, yes, there are corporate interests running the media in, in, in America and arguably in Canada too. Um, but the Republican race is a lot more interesting than the Democratic race if you just look at it as a race. Donald Trump offers something that we haven't seen, and I'm not defending Donald Trump. Uh, I'm just saying he offers something that we haven't seen before. And news is about a little bit something, you know, it's not all planes landed safely. It's the one that didn't land safely. And Trump is a bit of that. So I understand the appeal of the media to cover Trump. Um, when it comes to Bernie, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say to you about Bernie. I, I think he's... It has uh, been pointed out, and I don't mean to make this all about Trump and Sanders. Yeah. That, you know, here we are in Toronto. What, it sort of doesn't make a uh, difference to us, but those two people represent uh, fringe elements. That's the feeling. Although with Trump, I think what we're finding is that that is actually mainstream thought, and it's actually quite frightening. So, but, but the, the general kind of position is that these two are making waves because people are so sick of the mainstream. Yeah. Of conventional politicians. So the media seems slow. They seemed very, they were familiar with Trump. Known entity, one man circus. And I saw this with, uh, we've seen this with other elections, um, particularly in the States where they make it seem like it's a bigger fight or a bigger deal and then when the results come in, you're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Like, remember we thought Romney was going to beat Obama, and then in the end it didn't happen? Again, I don't want to dwell on American politics, but it does seem like there is a bias towards sensationalism. Right. That's what Trump represents. Well, listen, I would say you use the word conspiracy. If someone's running this conspiracy, I, I don't know who they are. Like, I, 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 and, and they may well be. I'm just saying I don't know who it is. Um, you know... I'm on the front lines of journalism. That's what I do. If someone's running this great conspiracy, I'll be the second last person to know about this great conspiracy. I don't think there's a deliberate effort uh, to not cover Bernie Sanders. I think there is a lot of sexiness in covering Trump, which is a problem. And there's That's, a lot of nice soundbite in that, Trump. I just puked a little bit in my mouth. I use sexy and Trump at the sexy same sentence. Sexy and Trump at the same time. Listen, Ugh. each to their own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nathan said something about facts, though. Could you follow that? I was trying to figure out where he was going yeah, with that myself. I think we're going to have to parse the word fact. Like, a fact is a fact. A fact is a truism. You're saying the context in which you present a fact is what then, um, you know, waylays things. That's what you're saying. You, is that what you, is that, did she capture that? That's what I was saying. 
but you feel like a fact so how does that are you are you critiquing the way a fact is received or the way it's presented that's where i'm well i guess the way it's presented okay and, and who's at fault there well, to get back to this conspiracy thing, I don't think anyone's at fault. It's okay. not something we can blame. It's just a way, like, I don't think that, you know, people act in their own self-interest all the time. We do it every day. All of us act in our own self-interest. So is there a conspiracy for the fact that I really want a beer and I finagle my way to get $5 from somebody so I can buy a beer? Is that a conspiracy? Um, I think, like, if a corporate guy, his, his interest is money and he owns a newspaper... Obviously, he's going to, whatever decisions come from the top down, it's going to nudge towards the guy who's going to try and get him more money. Right. Okay. And that's not a conspiracy. It's just people working in their own self-interest. Right. By you the way, are you thirsty? Do you want, can someone get Nathan a beer? No, I've got a beer right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I thought maybe you were you know, angling I, for a beer. I'm just, uh, to your conspiracy, because... Uh, By the way, it, this is not my conspiracy. Well, it's, it's, I'm it's, not, it's, I know I look like I've been spending representing time in the, the woods conspiracy. and like, letting myself go, and I'm like, oh, it's conspiracy. <laughs> I just meant conspiracies exist. And sure. People, people think they Well, exist. I would say two things. I work at public broadcasters for a reason. So that in my own self-interest, that's where I will defend myself. Um, I did work for Fox News Radio uh, for three years. And everyone says to me, that must have been crazy. They're all lunatics and all those things. And I would say, you know what? I was a news reporter. And from where I stood, I did the exact same thing at Fox that I did at CBC when I was a news reporter. I went out there and I told a story. The difference is, and it happens at every organization, whether you're a newspaper right, left, broadcaster, whatever, is that I don't make lineup decisions. So I would present my story. It wouldn't be much different than the story that I would present at the CBC. But someone else, and I would fight for where it should go in a lineup of a newscast. Right. I didn't have that control. All I can do is fight, argue, push back. But at the end of the day, that wasn't mine. But I don't, I don't, um, I actually don't think the media, no matter where you work in terms of us frontline journalists, are, we just do our job, if you're doing it well. If you're doing it well. Have you, you mentioned that you have to jockey for position in terms of where a news story lands or something like that. Have you ever experienced a situation where something has obstructed you or someone has obstructed you from telling a story from every conceivable angle or every angle you wish to explore? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I worked in the Middle East, so every day of my life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I don't want to get too political, but, uh, you know, one, depending on uh, who died and whatever thing, you know, it would be, there's sort of this, this unspoken threshold, right? Uh, depending where you work about how many, it's, it's grotesque, but how many people need to die? And we don't say this out loud, but when, when does one person dying make a news story? Does five people, does 50 people, right? How does that work? And it, depending on what side of the story you're covering in the Middle East often, uh, you'd have to push back a lot on that. Which beast are you feeding when you make that decision? Well, I don't make that decision. No, not you. What do you mean? Uh, I, as a what do you mean what media, beast am I when feeding? You, when you say, okay, you're obviously catering to a need that the more death, the more destruction we can report, the better for us. So you're responding to the public's interest in these things. Obviously, someone has done some research. What does that say about us? That we are more fascinated? I mean, I, I'll be well, honest I'll, with you. I'll make a really clear example that bugs me. A lot of people died in Paris, and a lot of people died in Turkey, and a lot of people died in Beirut. Right. Around the same amount uh, time period. What got coverage? What, where did we all send reporters That's to? That's right. Now, I can see it. We are more like Parisians than we are like Turks yes. or uh, Lebanese. And, and you can say, well, we're all the same, and we are, but we identify more as Westerners with that. That's why that gets coverage. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that is a truism that happens in the media, no matter where you work in the world. Right. Nathan, uh, I think part of your frustration, based on your amazing Facebook posts and, and tweets and things like that, and, and in some of your songs, is that you do feel like underrepresented opinions, underrepresented voices aren't being reflected in the mainstream media. Is that accurate? Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. I mean, it does seem like there's like this one way of looking at things. In all the news... Now I'm afraid to use the word mainstream. <laughs> but uh, um, there does seem to be one way to tell a story, as far as I can see from television and, and radio and that, the, the, the sort of... For lack of a better term, the mainstream, the big, the big players of the news disseminators, there seems to be one story, from what I can see. When you objected to the use of mainstream and alternative, and, and, and I mean, these are obviously broad terms and they can mean different things, what, where was that coming from, that, 
that frustration with that. Because I don't know, like, where do you draw your line at mainstream? Who's mainstream and who's mm-hmm. not mainstream? And lumping all of a, 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 a broad group of people and organizations into one thing, I think we're different. And mm-hmm. we all do things that are good and we all do things that are bad. And I think it's, I think it's an easy sort of bullet to fire, to be honest. And even the word media these days, <clears throat> like, what does media even mean? Are you talking about newspapers or TV shows or radios or blogs or whatever else? Well, you know, all of it. it. But so then mainstream media, well, yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, I just think it's, it's another broad term. I think that, that mainstream media is, is media with money and corporate interests. I think that's where, yeah. where what we, the subtext of calling something mainstream or, or underground or whatever is where's their money. But then you would, rec- would you recuse public broadcasting from being mainstream media? If it's corporate interests and money, would you include public broadcasting in that? Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. Definitely. I mean, especially lately, uh, this, the CBC is, is oftentimes just as guilty as as the National Post in the way they frame a story, for sure, yeah. And, and I mean, I think, I, I don't want this to be an attack against my former employer because I have fondness for the CBC, but we have seen a public broadcaster with its hands tied trying to turn itself into a corporate entity, essentially, and behave like a, a privatized company mm-hmm. because they feel like they've been told they need to clamor for the same audience that these other people seem to generate. How do you feel as someone who works there? I mean, is that... We, we, uh, we recently uh, read and heard that um, the new Canadian uh, federal government is going to invest all this money back into the CBC... Um, again, I don't want to be talking inside baseball here, but how do you feel uh, about your workplace these days? Um, well, probably like everyone here, uh, I've had money and not had money. And the similarity for me between those two things is not about the money. It's about how you manage the money. So more money isn't going to fix problems anywhere. It's going to have to be managed well with uh, a vision and, and a plan. I think, and I'm not here to defend the CBC. I love working there. I love public broadcasting, uh, but I'm not repping it, and I'm, I'm not. Uh, it has its own challenges as well. Well, money is a stand-in for resources, and in, in when I think of money and what we're talking about, I'm thinking of resources, frankly. Yeah, it's not just money. It's like people can't do certain things, and so they because they don't have the the funding. Right. I, I, my point would only be I don't think money fixes everything. I don't okay. think they could give us a bazillion dollars. I think then you have to make priorities. Uh, and, and and get the the right resources, right? right, and, right. And, make, and, and make some choices, which are, which are hard choices. I think the challenge for public broadcasting can, if we compare it to the United States, where they have a different funding model, and I'm, is that in the United States, you give money. You Basically, the, the public broadcasters in the United States have to generally, uh, you know, serve their audience, which is, by people who give money, a white, upper-class uh, elite, that's who donates to the NPRs of the world. Nothing wrong with it, but that's, who they're, that's who's giving them the money. In Canada, you're all giving me money, right? And so it's, it's a harder audience to serve right. uh, in that it is extraordinarily diverse. Uh, and you all have diverse opinions. So it's just, it's just harder. And I, and I think public broadcasters have to, to, have to go back to why they exist and, um, and, and enrich their mandate and, and make some hard choices. It is not going to ever please everyone. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Nathan, when it comes to news reporting, news outlets, the media, as you were confused, you know, when we talked about the media, who do you trust the most and why? I'm just curious who your sources are. Well, it's funny. Like, I actually think about that fairly me, often. Me, me is the answer. <laughs> Pia Chattopadai. Yes, How about a hand for Pia Chattopadai? <laughs> the most trusted name in news. <laughs> I think. Oh my God, I'm going to get a shirt that says Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... I tend to look at democracy now mostly, um, and and you know this is kind of the problem is that like we were saying, the the editorial board at Democracy Now is going to make decisions that's in their own best interest too, and they're going to lead with the stories that you know that that please the people who fund them and et cetera et cetera. And there's t- it's filled with bias and this and is coming things. back to this idea of bias. Yeah, but I, but you know I know that they're I mean I guess I guess. I trust what they're saying because they're telling stories that I can't hear anywhere else. And they're talking about, you know, they, they, they try to get into things that are really hard to talk about, you know. There's a lot of violence uh, direct, like coming from police forces, both in Canada and the United States. Well, 
like what is that actually about? Is it you know in I'm going to keep calling it mainstream media just because okay. we can we've sort of agreed on a definition for a working definition. But in the mainstream media, that that sort of question rarely gets asked, or or if it does, it's 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 a, a surface sort of thing, you know. But a, a news organization like Democracy Now will try to like get deeper into that, ask tougher questions, um, and and have voices that you don't hear anywhere else. But is Democracy Now a mainstream media outlet? I, I I wouldn't consider it that. I mean, I I would consider it alternative. But I mean, I don't know if these definitions are really all that important anyway. Yeah. You know. I mean, I listen to that show every day because it's broadcast at my workplace, and mm-hmm. I uh, I am with you. But when you get down to bias, I mean, Fox News is an example. Uh, we had Sun TV here for a while, uh, but we rejected it as Canadians because it was bad for us. We all agreed. Are any are there any people here who like the Sun TV network? <laughs> Nobody. It was fun to watch sometimes. It was kind of fun to watch, but basically what happens is an organization emerges and then they cultivate an audience and then it becomes a self perpetuating thing mm-hmm. where they have to cater to the audience. Pia, do you find that like? I want to pick up on a word you said, which is trust, because you said you trust whatever you you said democracy now, and um, I don't know why we trust so willingly when it comes to the media. When you go to your doctor and uh, your doctor says, uh, no, Nathan, that uh, thing on your head, uh, no, 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 that, that, that's not a, a lump on your head. That's actually, you have a problem with your foot. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to go get a second opinion. That's what you do, right? If you went to your doctor and your doctor said something that didn't really add up for you. And it's a bad analogy, but I'm like, we shouldn't implicitly trust information. Because Absolutely. it always has bias and context and self-interest built around it. Because that's how information is disseminated. But now we're getting back to the facts thing. Because what's happened, we've seen this numerous times, there are people who deny facts. Outright. They say, because there's so much mistrust of expertise that people will say, well, even though 9 out of 10 people who are scientists say the, the climate is changing, that's a bunch of baloney. I don't believe them. So where, do, where are we left Basically, I'm having an existential crisis. <laughs> I asked you both here to help me because I think we're doomed. I'm having an and existential we're all gonna die crisis tonight. too. I'm sorry. No, I am, and I and I think that that's where I'm confused, and we're seeing it and manifest itself in so many different ways. I don't know why we don't. I do know why we don't trust anyone, but at some point, shouldn't we start trusting people? Well, I think P is saying like we. We trust a lot of people a lot of the times. Right. Uh, we, we trust do, without asking. We trust without yeah, questioning. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where um, the problem is. Yeah. And especially in like such a diversified information landscape where we live in, we don't get one newspaper delivered at nine in the morning and that. And we have to, you know, this idea of trust is such an old trope, right? And it, it came from a time where there would be, you know, the Bible would land on your door at nine in the morning and that was your source of information. Or, we don't have to do that anymore. Or there was Walter Cronkite and nobody. Yeah. Right or Nolton Nash and nobody like yeah. no one else really. Yeah, you're right. We have a plurality of. Stuff. Like how many of you? How many of you read a newspaper every day? By a show of applause, it's a podcast. Oh yeah, sorry, don't raise your hands. Great. Okay. This what? is a downtown, urban, educated, mostly white Toronto. If they're not reading newspapers, you think the guy that's working at the airport, two jobs, raising four kids, making thirty thousand dollars a year is reading a, a newspaper so i put some of the onus on myself on, on all of us like we have to get ourselves informed well that's where nathan i think comes from a lot of the times he's baffled what people and i want to speak for you but i do feel like you're frustrated by what people buy yeah but i also understand i mean just like that example of the guy working at the airport i mean um we can talk about yeah you gotta like analyze the information you're receiving you gotta like when you're reading a news story you have to you know, scan it for bias and, you know, get your, get as multi, as many different perspectives as you can before you make up your own mind. But honest to God, I mean, that takes effort and time and investment and all that. And, and quite simply, like my dad, I was bitching about this to my dad one time. He's like, well, people just don't have time for that. They're tired. They work all the time. They don't make enough money. They're stressed out about everything. They just can't. And, you know, if you want to talk. Cons- That's what a lot of evil people count on. Exactly. And that's, and that's. We're doomed. Well, that's just part of a, a larger issue of, of, of you know, I, again, I, here we go about conspiracy. I, I'm not entirely sure there is an evil mastermind up there, but there is, back to this idea of self-interest, there is like this dominant 
we in many ways are slaves to the self-interest of the people who are very, very powerful. And we're just sort of in their world, whether we like it or not. And it's really, really difficult to operate outside of that in any sort of meaningful way, you know? Hmm. Well, I want to... This is really depressing. I know. (laughs) It's a nice warm-up for your rock show later. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Everyone's going to be in tears. No, but I think it's, it's including valid, me, including you. I do actually want to switch gears and talk a little bit about music somehow out of that bleak thing you just said. <laughs> Over the uh, past 50 or 60 years, I think in particular, music and musicians have emerged as, I think, the most influential artists in the world. I don't think this is as arguable as it might sound. I feel like the way musicians talk and dress and the things they say end up being emulated in pop culture more than almost anyone else. Actors, filmmakers, everyone kind of waits for music to set the tone. I don't know how this happened. It's a powerful force, I guess. But at the same time, there are many musicians who are not taken seriously when they express their their views about news or politics. Others are simply too career conscious to actually make a stand. Nathan, you have put yourself out on a limb uh, a little bit with your music. A lot of people haven't noticed yet because you are, you know, your your band isn't super well known, but what is your take on that as a musician and presenting yourself as someone with these kinds of opinions? Were you worried about doing so? Not really, because um, I didn't have an audience to alienate, so that was fine. <laughs> this is the saddest thing <laughs> I have ever done. No, no, I mean... I thought like, it would be fun. I really thought we'd have a good time. I'm having a great time. We'll go to, I'll know. drive to Toronto, I'll entertain some people... I just want to blow my brains out. And, uh, okay, carry on with your sad talk. It's just my channel. It's just the way I direct my feelings. There's Remember no we, were gonna, we, we had a recurring segment when Nathan used to come on my show called <laughs> yeah. Uncle Nady's Grump Shack. <laughs> and I would enter the Grump Shack like this, and I would leave just dejected. I would want to take uh, a 17-hour nap. Anyway, you're a lovely man, and you care a lot, <laughs> But it is uh, is a cloud here, and I like I like well, it. Well, it's, it's it's just looking like it's hard to talk about these heavy things, and we do our darndest to not. But it's not gonna change anything. Like it's the the context and the reality we live in is here, and it's not gonna go away just because we're not talking about it. And there's just some hard truths, and they're just out there. And I yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of a classic conversation killer with this stuff. Everyone's partying, yeah, having a great old time. I'd be like, whoa, and I was just like, hmm. It's just like interviewing Eeyore. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> no. Pretty it, it, much. <laughs> but you're using music and upbeat music to convey some of this malaise and frustration, right? Yeah, because I, you know, I, I care about this stuff because I really, really care about people and... And I have a love for people in the world. So that's where it's coming from. It's not like I'm a, a cynic or, or a, what's the word of someone who hates everything escaping me right now. But a misanthrope. Thank you, audience. Um, is it even it's another become a game word? show. Anyway. Yeah, you're not a misanthrope. No, I want to celebrate life and I want to celebrate relationships. And, and that to me is like what, what, if my music's political, it's because I'm trying to celebrate how people can be together. I know that sounds super flaky, but 
you know, it's just kind of a, A, it's, a, it's an ancient thing, and I think it's important. Music, you mean? Well, or playing music with other people and, like, trying to, like, reflect the world you're living in and trying to create something that people can, can r- rally around or something like that. You right. know, that's, that's, that's as old as human beings are. Pia, you have, uh, we've I've talked about a bunch of the shows you've guest hosted. Like, you've done, uh, you've hosted news, hard news shows, art shows. Um, do you often gain more insight about an issue from a so-called creative person than you might a so-called expert? Yeah. Yeah, yeah often, often. And it was actually, because uh, I spent many years doing the harder edge of journalism, uh, news and current affairs. Uh, and it was, it surprised to me even a little bit, I guess. Uh, um, it depends, right? For every... Um, great expert, there's a shitty one, and for every great artist, there's an unthoughtful one, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to think of artists. As, it's what I love actually about good arts journalism that it's it's a good sports journalism. It's not, it's not about the game. It's not about what your show. It's it's a reflection of the human experience and the human condition. And I find if you're not flogging a product as an artist, or at least if that's you know somewhere down your priority list, um, talking about what you want to say in the world uh, and having a pulpit to do it. Uh, and opening up and talking about the human condition. I like Nathan because, you know, in this day and age, we like we like to shit on people like Nathan because he's sullen and he's Eeyore and he's, he's got a dumb negative hat. and we want everyone to be, like, happy. And But you're real. You're real. The world's a hard place. Really and I like hat. it. I would, I would talk to you at a party all night. That's what would happen. Well, we are at a party. Not yet. <laughs> Right, I'm having yeah. a blast. Yeah, no, so I love talking to to uh, creative people. I think they're they're super interesting. I think we look to creative people sometimes because they uh, personify hope. Even the bleakest person who has had the ability to make time to express themselves, we kind of try to live vicariously through them, don't we? A little bit. Do you feel that way, Nathan? I, well, I, I live vicariously through myself, so I don't know. That's really the know weirdest thing you've ever that. said. <laughs> really? You live vicariously through yourself? Well, I mean, I'm a creative person. I don't know what it's like to not be a, a creative person. So oh, I, I see. Don't know how to, I don't know what it's like to not have the drive to create things. Right, and you clearly think that you are a big deal. No, I'm not actually. Uh, I am. I am, but I don't expect You know who I'd like to be someday? To, to Nathan Lore. Is that what you say every day? <laughs> In a weird way, yes, actually. <laughs> I want to be the truest self I can be. Part of this, uh, part of your process is trying to find yourself. Just, just, to, just to be honest. Because you've that's evolved, my, my goal. You've evolved. I think it's telling that you've evolved from uh, folk, kind of um, romantic troubadour kind of stuff, to now you are leading this, as I say, politically outspoken band. Uh, something shifted in you where you, I think maybe, and this is my reading of you that you realized you were kind of talking a lot about yourself and how you related to the world and you wanted to shift from that to talking about the world. Yeah, to a certain extent. I kind of got bored with, with the love song idea. It's well, you got married is what you did. <laughs> I wasn't upset about it. I had all the love that I, I yeah. ever needed, so I didn't need to talk about it, it anymore. It is hard to write the, the heartbreak and love songs when you're not heartbroken. And yeah, it's fi- it's yeah and it that. just, I don't know. It's, for me, it was just sort of a tired. I just it wasn't interesting enough. To okay. Me. I mean, it comes from me being a drummer originally, and like the rhythms aren't generally all that complex or interesting to me in in folk music. But this this is a good segue actually into where how we got here. Not literally by taking cars and whatever. I mean, how you two came have arrived at the place you are. Um, Pia, can you talk about what actually drew you into your field of work? I have no idea. God, I wish this was a more interesting story. Um, I was at university. I am uh, grew up in Saskatoon, and I was sitting around. You uh, grew up in Saskatoon. I did. Yep. Uh, was that okay? Yeah, it was great. It's great. I like Saskatoon. It's a great, great place. It's yeah, the kind of place you want to get out of, you know. But those are those are great places to grow up, right? They're amazing until you're like sixteen, seventeen, right. and then just it's it's no like I don't yearn to go back. Very good, often, so that's freeing. Good upbringing. Like yeah. you, you had a great upbringing, and, and, yeah. and it's like I mean, you, you, you live in a somewhat. Uh, did you live a sheltered existence? Did you feel like you weren't connected to 
the rest of the world in some ways? Did no. feel remote? No? Okay. You don't care about that stuff as a kid. You care that you're connected to the kid down the street and you want to go over to their house and eat pierogies. It was awesome. But sometimes when you're a kid and you, like for me, I would watch so much stuff that was filmed in other places or I'd read books that were set in other places and I, I remember when I was 16, like the day I turned 16, I went to go get my license because I needed to get it going. Yeah. I felt like I, I, there was a whole world I wanted to see. We traveled a lot as a family. Oh, you did? Uh, so we did too. Yeah. I didn't like it. Right. Okay. Went to, my sister's here tonight. Remember when we went to Florida? She's nodding for the podcast, just so people know. <laughs> it's a, it's a nod cast. She uh, doesn't <laughs> Anyway, that was, uh, yeah, I, I, the, traveling was good, but you, yeah. you got to travel. Where'd you travel to? Well, my parents are from India, so we went hey, back. Hey, me to, too. Yeah. Yay, India. India's great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, uh, we used to go to Gerard Street when I was a kid. And then we'd go to we went to India, and I found that India was like Gerard Street on steroids. That's what I thought. I was like, "This sucks. When are we going home? I can't handle this." Why is there a monkey riding that cow? Anyway, you did you go to India a bunch? I did. Yeah, a lot, a lot. It, okay, it's great. So I still go. I like it a lot. But that changes you when you get to travel. Like you realize yeah. that it's not there's a real world out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't remember what your question well, was. It was so. about uh, how you got into media. Like what? Oh yeah. You? So I was uh, going to the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon, uh, doing a degree in poli sci, and you know, it was fine. Uh, but mostly, I like a lot of people sat around and talked to a lot of people and drank coffee. And I, I'm not one really for sort of shooting the breeze about how your day was. I, I like doing what Nathan likes to do, which is dig down and have real talk if, if that's a terrible term I shouldn't have used it but talk about real things mainstream and real talk mainstream real talk yeah uh, anyway and I thought I was literally having coffee one day in, in like the student lounge area and I thought like what can I do who, who can pay me to, to do this all the time <laughs> right talk to people and like just go up to them and ask them really interesting questions and get to know them really quickly that was the, the epiphany and then someone said hey how about that journalism thing okay yeah okay. That's, that was a good story yeah don't, don't, don't beat yourself up Nathan, we've talked extensively. We've already addressed the fact that you've had this trajectory shift. Um, can you kind of encapsulate how you've arrived at where you are and how you're feeling? We, we all already know it's going to be a sad explanation, but I still want to hear it because I'm a sadist, I guess. I don't know. What, you mean how am I still a musician? That's actually a good yes because you put up this record, Weird Waves. Has anyone heard the record? Yeah. That's better than I thought it was going to get. <laughs> Because you've been saying, like, I don't know what's happening. You're, we talk all the time, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you don't know. I'm the same way. Like, how do we make a thing and make it resonate? You yeah. go through this all the time. Yeah, well, every artist does, I would imagine, to a certain extent. Yeah. So how are you feeling about things right now? Today I feel great. <laughs> Today it changes day to day. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the thing is, is, like, I, I, am, I am dedicated to a life of being someone who creates things whatever happens after that it's not really in my control okay well end. I mean Pia was talking about kind of maybe a happenstance uh, in, in life that led you here was there a formative influence on you that drove you down this path Nathan not really it was just sort of the uh, almost from the get-go it was just sort of called to me and and when I discovered punk rock and and the all ages shows when I was younger it was kind of like oh my god like this is the this is where I can go and I've this is where I belong, or whatever. It just felt like a comfortable right. context to, and then and then seeing people on stage, I was just like, oh man, like all I want to do is get up there and do that too. To, to meet to to meet women. <laughs> you well, you know. It's true. You like you like girls. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a that was that was a little little purient purient on my part. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, no, but you you were driven to to express yourself. Yeah, to meet girls. Um, <laughs> Pia, music? <laughs> music important for you? Yeah. Uh, so I went into poli sci, but originally I wanted to study musical theater at Sheridan in Oakville. That was the, the dream. I sang, I sang classical music growing up. I, was a, I sang all my life. Like, uh, were you trained? Yeah. Had a singing coach thing since I was five. And, uh, oh, I had no idea. There you go. Uh, and that's what I wanted to do. And so when I was like in, I don't know, grade 11, I guess it must have been, I talked to my vocal coach and I said, like, I want to, there's a school in, in, in Oakville, Ontario called Sheridan. I really want to go there. She said, what do you want to do? I said, do musical theater performance. And she said, do you know what the success rate in that business is? About 1%. And she said, back then, I think we used to call me brown. We don't, now we call me pre person of color. I don't know what the proper term was back then. Yeah, I'm uh, a little but she said, Yeah, but uh, she said to me, it's going to be tough for you because, uh, you know, we weren't casting, this was uh, the 
in the 90s, uh, early 90s, but we weren't casting, you know, a Filipino kid to play Billy Elliot, which we are now, which is great, right? right? right but she right. said, your chance, of, and it wasn't like making it on the big stage, it was making it at like, you know, community theater level, right? A uh, little bit higher than that, but the, it was going to ha- be hard to get roles, and I didn't want to do anything else but performance. So uh, kind of parked that dream, and we're done. Okay, I didn't realize that. I mean, you probably made a wise choice because Nathan and I are miserable. We went <laughs> full tilt into the arts and the music, and you were like, I'm going to get out of here as soon as I'm possible. miserable, too. Are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, sure. it doesn't show. <laughs> it doesn't show. You know, we've seen, uh, it's, it's curious to me that you, and I didn't know this, obviously, and this is great, that you have this intersection between uh, arts and, and politics. We have seen a huge demand and influx for arts and comedy uh, infused news programs like there's so many of these like satiric news sources and a lot of young people it's actually I think been statistically proven that most young people get their news and information from those shows instead of you know the hard news and I'm I don't know is that do you think both of you do you think that's a good thing that we're getting most of our news from jokes essentially I can't see how it's a bad thing I mean, what difference you know people get I mean, some normal, not funny newscasts are jokes, so and people get information from that. So right. What difference does it make? If like, if we're talking about facts and how we get in facts, I mean, a fact is a fact. If it has some jokes around it, you know, what's what's is there? What would well, be bad about in that? In theory, it's easier to swallow the joke-infused uh, fact, right? Or to point, or or to to a, to really comprehend the absurdity of a story by someone sort of framing it that way. You talk about trust, though. I mean. Those are shows that are constantly relying on editing to get their joke across more than a news story. Mm-hmm. So, and there's just so many. Like, there's I mean, there's like ten of these shows now, like Samantha B and and John Oliver. Everyone's doing these shows, and we all laugh. But I've struggled with this a bit on the show with different people. Like, are do you think there's ever a point where satire isn't enough? Like things are so frustrating that because I think this is why John Stewart quit his show. It's like I can't do this anymore. It's too bleak. These stories are... Too, he was starting to say it. He'd say, I don't even have anything for you tonight. There was a shooting in Charleston, North Carolina. I have nothing. And so at some point, the, the, the humor just was, had vanished. And I, I'm curious if... To end on a bright note, <laughs> where you think we're going to go from here when, when I think satire is at a point where it's at its height but also sort of like dying a little bit because there's just too much frustration. Pia, do you have a take on, on that as, a, as someone who actually makes real news? Well, I, I, I don't know that I make real news in sat and programs like John Oliver or, or right. John Stewart. Uh, don't. I would uh, say do the same thing. Don't trust them implicitly. As you said, they are trying to land a joke, right? And to your point earlier, Nathan, your dad's saying, you know, we're just too busy. What he's saying is we're too busy to think. That's, that's what your dad said. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And that is this, that you want to talk about ending this on a sad note? That's the saddest thing, that we don't make time to think anymore. And so I don't care if it's John Oliver, it's, it's the CBC or it's CTV or it's Donald Trump. You got to think about this thing. Don't, I mean. But the, the rise of Trump is also, and Palin, and what's a Canadian example of this? Kevin Ford. O'Leary, maybe the an late, example the of late, that. The late Rob Ford. There is an attack on intellectualism as well. I think there's a mistrust of people who actually know what's going on. So that's a really dangerous place. Sure. For and I don't know where it's stemming from, but I blame the media. So thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> people don't trust what they see and read and they don't want to think. They just want someone to say the thing. That people they want think. people. People want people to tell them what to think. Yes. And I would say stop letting people tell you what to think. Start thinking. Okay. Very good. That was pretty good. I could run for office on that. That was pretty good. I'm never going to run for You got an applause break, so something went right. (laughs) Uh, We are pretty much out of time, unfortunately. I could talk to you uh, all, I was going to say all night, but for at least another 10 minutes. But we don't have time. Uh, uh, What's next for each of you? Like, Nathan, we're going to hear your band, which is very exciting. Now, am I correct that you've got a new record, Weird Waves, but tonight we might actually hear songs from your next record? Yep. You've already done the other record. It's going to be done the end of the month, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You're on a tear. Weirdly, I don't know how that happened. I'm a stay-at-home dad with two kids, and I, I've been making more music than I've ever made, which is weird. That's good. Well, you know why? And you've had this, you've got kids, right? Yes. Didn't you find, I find this myself, that when you have kids, uh, the time is more precious, mm-hmm. and you end up doing more stuff, because you realize you only have, my day is usually like, I'm at work at 8, 
I'm back at three to get all the kids, and I deal with them and make them happy and f- eat, make them eat and clean You try them. to do those things. Try to do those things. And then at eight, from eight to one a.m., I work on all this stuff that no mm-hmm. one cares about <laughs> for no reason, no good reason at all. I just do it because I have to do it. And, and, and I, but that's my schedule because I have the kids. Do you have that? You got to like... Yeah, eat, yeah, there's no there's no sitting around. You They're got three? Working. I got three kids. Yeah, that's that's uh, imagine that three, Nathan. <laughs> I, Don't ha- get me talking. About happy with the three? This is a, this They're is a, a big conversation. Right yeah, there. yeah. Sorry, I was trying to <laughs> trying to wrap it up. So you what's so you got the next record and you're gonna do some touring and stuff? Yep. Yeah, it'll be out in the fall. Okay. And Pia. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, I mentioned your show. Yeah, I got this new show in development. Um, I don't know. I'm like everyone else. I go to work. I raise some children. I go for a beer, play some Scrabble. The show is called Yeah. yeah. A cheer for Scrabble. I know. Thank <laughs> you. Cheer so far. Thank you. Wow. I was not expecting that. Nice crap. Uh, the show is called Out in the Open. What is why? <laughs> what is what is out in the open? What's going to happen? Do you think about what do you think when you hear out in the open? This is like a little test. Oh, some people open. have been like, I think it's a show about LGBTQ things that like you're coming out in the open. Right. And then other people's like, I think it's a nature show and you're not calm and serene, so it's an inappropriate title for yeah, a show. Yeah, I think yeah. I was I'm thinking of the plane myself. Yeah, it's uh it's it's we're gonna talk about LGBTQ issues. We'll probably talk about nature. It's uh one topic every week, uh sort of the center of this wheel, and there's all these spokes in my imagination and my emoji in my head of the show. And, uh, you know, when I, when they, uh, came to me and, and said, you know, what kind of show do you want to, want to do? I had this, it's silly, but this trite little line, which is, I'm as interested in Taylor Swift as I am in ISIS, which is only to say we're humans and we can be interested in a lot of things. And I don't, and I think we live in a very nuanced world. So I'm hoping to bring some nuance and not just have like Nathan versus you versus person in the middle and which we do get a lot in the media, which is like pro con and then, oh, we need someone to balance that out. Uh, so I, it, it's going to be a, I, I use this word it's not a great word I suppose but uh, it's going to be sort of meandering I, I don't want to tell you what to think when you leave the show I'm familiar with that I want you to think I'm familiar with the word meandering I want I you to think about I think everyone here knows that yeah. so uh, yeah it, we'll tackle a whole bunch of different issues great yeah. and so roughly around yeah, late spring late spring yeah. are, are we in the oh no we're in the early spring I don't spring. know where we oh, are. you don't know when it's okay so it's CBC Radio 1 CBC Radio 1 I'll still be filling in current and Q and TVO they got you doing a lot of stuff it's great I want to do that. How can, how can huh? I? I want to guest host on the sun. I could do it. Don't you think I could do it? I have a blazer. I told you you were a terrible interviewer. Yeah, I know you did, yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah. you can do it. All right. Okay, that's right. I <laughs> sought life advice from the wrong person just now. All right, well, uh, we are uh, out of time. I want to let you folks know that you can follow these people on Twitter and to their cars if you want. Why not? Just follow them outside. They'll like it. Weird. Follow them online. Follow Don't follow at, uh, you can follow Pia at... Pia, how'd you get that? Just your name. I can't tell you. Just at Pia. That's amazing. Yeah. You're like the Madonna of the news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, say it one more time. You're the Madonna of the... Oh, n- yeah. Why are you manipulating oh, me? Great. Terrible interview. Thank you for I'm boosting like my low now. self-esteem. <laughs> follow at Pia. Follow at Minotaur's Band for Nathan Lore. Follow at Soundboard TO for information about Massey Hall and follow at Massey Hall. Why not? Follow me at Vishkana and at Vish Creative. Creative Control, my show can be heard on iTunes, audioboom.com, vishkana.com. You can make a flexible monthly donation to the show and view t-shirts we have for sale at patreon.com. In fact, we have some t-shirts for sale here tonight. They're only 10 bucks. I think I'm going to undersell Nathan and go home a happy man. I'm like Walmart. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Um, We're also on Facebook. Creative Control uh, with Vishkana is on Facebook, and uh, the show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph and worldwide at CFRU.ca. Uh, that's pretty much it for the show. Although, Nathan, I understand your band is going to play a song for us? Yes. <laughs> what song are we going to hear? We're going to play Weird Waves, the title track. Nice. So we're going to hear weird, weird Waves right now? Yeah. Okay, so this is the Minotaurs with Weird, weird Waves, which I can't say. I'd like you all to make a tremendous amount of noise for Pia Chattopadhyay and Nathan Lore. All right, that's our show. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a good night. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.